2: Hi everybody, welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. And I want to help you find your way back to health. Uh, instead of talking about specific diseases on my shows, I want to talk about different steps in the journey that each person has to take in their way to wellness from a chronic illness. There are different layers um, in these journeys, and I think just talking about, um, you know, one specific illness doesn't get us there. So today we're going to talk about the first step that always happens in my clinic, which is looking at digestive health. If you're doesn't work properly then nothing else will we're gonna be talking with dr. Casey Coleman today I just want to welcome her to the show so welcome dr. Casey thank you um, great so I I know you're a you're a doctor of Chinese medicine and an acupuncturist in Calgary I just want to talk about how you got involved in Chinese medicine
3: okay well it started out when I was working at a clinic as a receptionist and I'd always I felt really um, strongly about alternative medicine and its different effects and different views. Um, We ended up getting an acupuncturist in our clinic, and I happened to have really bad sciatica, which was causing my leg to go numb. So I went to see her, and I noticed along with the pain relief, I was feeling, I guess, for lack of a better term, better mentally, emotionally. I could relax. I could just felt like I could function better as a whole. Um, I started to ask my acupuncturist lots of questions about Chinese medicine and about meridians and different aspects of it and acupuncture points. And she kind of pointed out to me that maybe it would be something I would be interested in to looking into as a career. So I did, and I just I love it. I think it's a great field.
2: Um, that's great. So you said you, you worked on um, sciatica and pain. Did you find relief with anything else when you started doing the acupuncture?
3: Um, I was doing a little bit of chiropractic and it seemed to momentarily relieve it, but not as much as acupuncture did.
2: Okay, that's that's really good. Um, so, um, I find like Chinese medicine really fascinating, obviously, or I wouldn't have studied it as well. And um, I just wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the history of Chinese medicine and, and um, how that works.
3: Sure. Um, it's a foreign medicine that is 5,000 years old and started in China and I mean if you think about it it's pretty crazy to have something that's been around for that amount of time Um, and they just had a different way of looking at things a unique way of diagnosing they would look at signs and symptoms as well as would use tongue and pulse diagnosis to see what was happening internally in the organs to diagnose what was happening with people so they knew how to treat them.
2: Okay, so let's talk about the the tongue and pulse a little bit because that's probably new to everybody. Um, Can you just explain, I guess, the the tongue diagnosis for everybody?
3: Sure. It's very unique. Um, Tongue shows different organs in different areas that we look for. Um, And it also shows uh, patterns like coating, tongue coating. Um, If you've ever noticed when you get sick or you're not feeling very well, your tongue coating can get really thick. Um, We also look at the color of your tongue, cracks, spots, teeth marks, if there's any deviation. Each thing represents a different disharmony and a sign of inflammation or deficiency in that organ system. Uh, The pulse is very similar. However, the pulse shows what's happening in a person's body right now, what's happening right now, where the tongue takes longer to show, like, I guess, more chronic or more long-term kind of situations.
2: Okay, so the, the diagnosis of, of TCM is obviously a little bit different than what we're used to with Western medicine, where we do look at, you know, the lab results and and that kind of thing. And people do need lab results for their doctors to be able to help them. And what I like about the tongue and pulse is that you're already directed into what's going on with the patient. And so mm-hmm. that, that definitely is... Um, I find really helpful because you don't need to have those positive lab results, and a lot of times, especially when if your illness is just starting, then you're, um, you're you're you don't have those lab results, but you don't feel well, which I think is an important time to actually start turning things around.
3: Yes, and then with the tongue and pulse diagnosis as well, it's based on an individual, so people don't get lumped in, right? So people get treated for what their signs and symptoms are showing
2: yeah exactly and it makes it more personal as well because you can take you know three people with you know all of them having arthritis and treat them differently because that's manifesting in their body differently and the root cause is different which i think is really important in looking at a more um, personalized health care as well as opposed to this is what the masses get so it should work for you and it doesn't always work that way Definitely. So, what would what you think is the most common TC Chinese medicine pattern that you do see in clinic?
3: Um, spleen deficiency. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Is so I guess we can one. explain that a little bit. I mean, spleen deficiency is definitely, um, no matter what else you have going on, I think most people in North America have a spleen deficiency. And in, in Chinese medicine, your spleen covers into your digestion and your water pathways. So the, the biggest thing is, um, you know, stress, diet, overwork, and overthinking. So I think that's all of us, right? We start oh, our lives definitely. that way with school and not eating properly.
3: Yeah, and just our fast-paced world, we're always on the go, go, go.
2: Yeah, I think that, uh, that doesn't set us up very well. I think we're actually meant to take more time for ourselves and, and slow down, and uh, so that, that overstress can cause the stress on the spleen. I and mean, from the Western perspective... The spleen is there to remove our old red blood cells. It holds a reserve of blood and it actually makes antibodies and removes antibody-coated bacteria and antibiotic-coated blood cells, um, and as, as well as um, moving uh, lymph circulation um, in your lymphatics or your water pathways in your body. So the TCM theory, which is 5,000 years old, mirrors what our science has found, um, that our gut digestion is 80% of our immune system, which I think is really interesting. And this is why I want everybody in my office to start with working on their gut health, because that doesn't work. You really don't. You can't get your immune system working, and you can't get the inflammation down.
3: Yeah, in Chinese theory, when we get a spleen deficiency or a spleen that's just not working well or overworked and overtired, it often leads to what we call damp condition. And dampness is when you would get a thick coating on your tongue and maybe some swollen and tooth marks and feel bloated, heavy, tired, and sluggish. And lots of people, I, when I talk to them, that's what they feel. They feel fatigue.
2: Yeah, that's definitely the way our, our society has us set up. I mean, you just you start your life with school where you're overthinking, over overworking and, and not taking care of yourself. And then, you know, our diets are very rich and we do have a lot of sugar in our diet. And that definitely causes that stress And our, um our immune system. Definitely are struggling with the way of life that we have going on.
3: And along with that, people also generally have external pathogens like parasites and candida that contribute to the damp and the inflammation and causing our body systems not to function like they're supposed to.
2: Definitely. That's something that's not looked at a lot is is the external pathogens, which we're going to talk about more in our um, second segment, because um, that's a, a big part of what's going on that definitely doesn't get recognized. Um So when you see this kind of pattern or inflammation going on, um, what is your first place that you start with people?
3: It's the most unpleasant thing for people. It's eliminating certain foods
2: (laughs) until the root cause (laughs) is cleared.
0: (laughs)
3: Yeah. I want to stress that usually when there is damp, although diet is a factor, there's usually something else causing the inflammation.
2: So, and that would probably be the the parasites and candida contributing to that, just generally what I would see. Would you agree?
3: Yes, I would. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
2: So, um, where do you start with that? Like, what's your first step when you get people in and you have to change their diet? What journey do you take them on?
3: Often people don't know if food is an issue if they eat it every day. (laughs) It has to be removed for a period of time to allow the body to heal uh, usually I start with gluten, dairy, and natural sugars. Those are usually the main causes of inflammation.
2: Those are things that we eat every day as well. I mean, most people have gluten three, five times a day. It's in every meal and it, it's in everything. And, um, you know, some people do think it's a big fad, but definitely the people that I see anyway definitely need um, those changes. They need um, the... Uh, um, to, to, to remove it so that they can see if it is a long-term issue for them. Exactly. And,
3: yeah. The only way to know if it's an issue is to remove it.
2: Yeah. And then if you're ready, so, you can
3: reintroduce it.
2: Exactly. So once the body gets stronger, right, they have those different reactions. And when they had it every day, when they're when they're eating it every day, their body is only able, it's so weak, only on that low level is it able to tell them that, that it's an issue because it can't, it can't yell loud enough. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we get them to that, that stronger, um, area, when their body's stronger, then they get that stronger reaction, which isn't an increased allergy. That's a a, a bit of a myth that people have going on, but your body only reacts to something if it, um, if it's going to react to something.
3: Yeah, clearly.
2: So what's the most common reactions to gluten sensitivities that you do see?
3: Well, a lot of people think it should be digestive issues like cramping, bloating, diarrhea, or constipation, um, which for sure it definitely can be. But it can also be more complicated like the fatigue, the joint pain, sleep problems, night sweats. And these symptoms can take up to four days to show themselves once you remove the gluten.
2: Well, it's definitely harder to see if it does take four days. And a lot of those symptoms can be um, mixed in with, you know, thinking that you've got hormone problems or stress or, you know, even just stress from having the sleep problems. So it definitely can go unrecognized um, as an issue that way for sure. I can see that. Um, so what what do you think the issue with sugar is?
3: We have so much sugar in our diet. I mean, if you go to the grocery store and you look at things where you really don't think sugar should be, one of the first few ingredients is sugar. Um, We are eating or drinking eight tablespoons of sugar, the equivalent of two and a half cans of pop. (laughs) And that can reduce the ability of white blood cells to kill germs by 40%. And they're very immune suppressing. Um, It starts less than 30 min- minutes after ingesting the sugar and lasts for five hours. Um, it's also extremely addictive and has been shown as addictive as cocaine, which is why we consume so much of it and it's in everything.
2: Well, definitely, I mean, that's some really hard to get people off of. Not only is it in everything, but they're so addicted that That, you know, those sugar cravings, which I've been there as well, definitely just take you down a whole other level of who you are when you're trying to quit. I mean, it can be very, very difficult for sure.
3: Yeah, definitely. And it, it just goes back to, I guess, where we don't have a lot of time to cook for ourselves and make things for ourselves, so we just get things on the go, and there it is, <laughs> helping your addiction. Yeah.
2: It's in that packaged food because it makes it taste better, and then we crave it more. Um, and so we're definitely, our society, I mean, we're, we're a go-go-go society, so we do reach out for those things more. And... Uh, it. Um, uh, definitely leads us down this spiral when we do that. So if we could just start by taking that little bit of time in our lives, I think these things would be a lot a lot easier.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, our average sugar intake, well, 100 years ago, it was 4 pounds a year per person. And now the average consumption is 3 pounds a week. Um, This is definitely different than it used to be, and it's having an impact on everyone's health.
2: Yeah, that's a huge difference. I mean, to go from what we had in a year to pretty much having it in a week. I mean, we wonder why we have all these these illnesses and you know all these symptoms and the metabolic syndrome that's um, such a, a at a high level in North America and and just those ob- obesity and high blood pressure and depression and headaches fatigue and all that kind of stuff that that's. Um, way and more, more common now than it was a hundred years ago. And that's one of the biggest changes that we've had is that increase in sugar.
3: Yeah, for sure. And then it goes, people go to their doctor and they just don't know what's, what's up. And it's the simple thing of sugar. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and I, I think it's it's socially unacceptable to change your diet as well. I mean, I know when I before I was a, a doctor of Chinese medicine, and I was cutting out sugar, people often told me that that uh, you know one one piece of cake wouldn't hurt me, or or this one thing wouldn't hurt me when when I was really trying just to get to um, to cut it all back.
3: Yeah,
2: for and, sure. And yeah, it was so addictive as well.
3: Yeah, and it is an emotional component, right? We all want to fit in. We all want to go for turkey dinner. We want to go for birthdays. We want to go for drinks. And it's hard to fit in when you have to be that one person saying, no, I don't, I don't want it. And people just don't accept it. They look at you like you're kind of weird or crazy that you don't, like you said, a piece of cake won't kill you, but yes, it will.
2: Yeah, well, if you're you're doing that every day, and and this can happen every day. So um, when we come back from our break, we're going to be talking about um, some other things that can cause some digestive issues. So um, stay tuned, and Dr. Casey and I will be back in a few minutes.
0: and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
1: What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of return to peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually, as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change, or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelley's Show and Tell" with host Shelley Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by real transformation skin care centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1pm. Pacific time, 4 pm. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness.
2: Hi, welcome to back to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk, and I'm sitting here with Dr. Casey Coleman. Today we are talking about your first step to wellness, which is your digestive health. Um, it's definitely the first thing that I do when people come and see me. And um, we talked earlier about diet, but there are definitely some, some other things that can cause um, some issues. So, Dr. Casey, what are the most... Aside from diet, the biggest causes from uh, digestive issues that you see.
3: Uh, the main ones are candida and parasites.
2: Okay, so can we talk about candida a little bit more, just so that people know what we're talking about?
3: Sure. Candida is a, is a yeast infection, and we all have candida in our guts. And again, it, it kind of goes back to that theory of Chinese medicine again, where when things aren't in balance, things just kind of go a little sideways. So um, the yeast infection starts in the gut. The good bacteria in the gut are very sensitive and can become imbalanced easily, like I just said. Our society doesn't set us up very well because of overuse of antibiotics. And antibiotics really um, upset our balance of our healthy gut flora versus um, damaging gut flora that doesn't help us to digest very well, Um, along with antibiotics, stress and hormone use, heavy metal toxicity and parasites and other infections. So it can just help the candida to grow.
2: So it's really interesting when we we talk about antibiotics. I mean, I definitely think they were a big part of our society that saved lives and, and a lot of patients that I have coming in want to avoid them and I try to help them with some herbs to avoid them but I mean sometimes it's something that we do have to do I mean they do save lives and um and I think that the the piece to me that's missing when they're prescribed is to actually prescribe people probiotics after to replace that good flora
3: definitely yeah
2: yeah and that definitely sets people up I mean what happens if you don't take the probiotics is that candida becomes overgrown, and we've all taken antibiotics, so we're basically set up at young ages for this.
3: Yeah, for sure, and also our just our foods changed, right? I mean, and now I'm seeing an increase in kombucha, um, back to fermented foods like sauerkraut, and just people fermenting. Um, again, we used to get that natural probiotic in our food that we don't get so we do need to take a probiotic with that.
2: Yeah, it's definitely the the fermented foods were are in our diets traditionally for a reason. I mean that's how we we get we should be technically getting everything we need through food but we we've narrowed our diet down and we we don't get those things so definitely that the fad of those fermented foods coming in has definitely been helpful for people to um, keep that gut flora really healthy that that balance of the good and bad bacteria so when you see um, candida what are the most common signs and symptoms of it that you see
3: um, well, people, when they think of candida, they automatically think, okay, it's a vaginal yeast infection. Um, most people don't experience this this symptom. Um, common signs are rashes, fatigue, bloating, headaches, and a feeling of heaviness. So, again, we kind of put these symptoms as, oh, I'm just stressed out or I'm not sleeping well or I just eat too much fast food or there's are Chinooks coming so I have headaches. So, we don't really see it as symptoms and signs of a candida infection.
2: It's definitely, I mean, especially if you're getting a rash and you're looking at a disharmony in your gut, our society doesn't really link those things very well. I mean, you get a rash and you're sent to a dermatologist, not a GI specialist, so um, your gut doesn't even get looked at at all, um, which can definitely bring that, that disconnect to your overall whole health because the rash is, you know... You need to look at that gut health, but you that gets missed, so that can go on for years
3: yeah, definitely and then you get the band-aid effect of topical creams and ointment, and you think it goes away, but it never truly goes away
2: yeah and it doesn't it doesn't get recognized I mean and what um what happens when when people leave Candida? what do you see happen as it progresses?
3: um it just it gets worse, and then along with their then you start to get more, more and more digestive health. Um, and you can get things where it starts to affect other body symptoms like hormones and women's menstruation gets flip-flopped a little bit. And, again, then they're going to someone else to get their thyroid checked out. And, and the root cause is there, but it's just it seems to be hidden for some reason.
2: Well, yeah, exactly. So this is, I mean, the the main reason why I focus on on gut health first in clinic because um, just, you know, when you mentioned the hormones and the fatigue and people are getting thyroid tested and it could really come down to their gut just isn't working well enough and, and be that simple when they're doing all these expensive tests looking elsewhere. And I think if we, we bring in, um, just looking at that first, the hormones might balance themselves and, and you might not even have to go that far.
3: Yeah, definitely.
2: Um, so what, what is the other thing that you find is causing a lot of digestive issues for people?
3: Parasites are a really big part as well. Um, and these are also very, rec- barely recognized in North America. Um, you- don't get parasites, we're taught, you know, unless you travel or um, you drink and eat unclean food when you're in Mexico or, you know, wherever, for lack of a better explanation. But here, we just, we're taught we don't get parasites here.
2: Well, I I think this is interesting because I, like, I have a... An assistant in the clinic here who um, grew up in South America and every year before school, they looked at parasites and they treated them. And um, so, you know, when they live in tropical countries, it's more recognized. But I think the problem in North America is we we forget that people have traveled. And um, it's hard to recognize that that those tests aren't very accurate for the parasites as well. They're really hard to find in your stool samples. And then that definitely gets, um, you know, missed for sure and uh so do you find that people can get them just as easily in north america as they can get them if they go to third world countries or, or travel into tropical places
3: for sure and i mean definitely traveling is a big red flag i mean if you come back from somewhere tropical or you know like thailand or somewhere like that again the food's different it's not what you're used to eating they have different standards of sanitization and water quality um but they are very common, and the public health agency of Canada found nearly one tenth of samples of pre washed lettuce were contaminated with parasites but we I think we have this false sense of security where oh it 's pre washed so we 're good
2: <laughs> yeah that that study definitely that 's a big eye opener, hey, so one out of every ten 10- Um, you know bags of pre-washed lettuce is contaminated and you know if you buy that every week every 10 weeks you're getting a parasite in your food which is um, you know a pretty big eye-opener for people I think Um, because parasites are definitely not looked at I mean it's very cold where we are and it's not tropical and um, it's definitely seems like it's a big deal if it's being found in our our food the food that we think is safe.
3: Yeah, exactly. And that's just it. Like, you think you're doing your body a good thing, you're having that salad, and
2: then your digestion is So, different. I mean, I <laughs> definitely wash my, watch my fruits and, and veggies a little more thoroughly than than I used to. I've had parasites a, a few times. What do you recommend for people just to protect themselves?
3: Um, The best thing to do is just if you can just soak your fruits and veggies in some very diluted vinegar, like a hundred to one solution, even if you just soak them for 10 minutes or you can just spray them and just kind of rub them together and rinse it off. It seems to be helpful. I mean, vinegar is, has been around for a long time killing things. So, I mean, let's go back to simple things and just use that when we're, you know, washing our fruits and veggies. And, and even if it is pre-washed, wash them again.
2: <laughs> yes, apparently we should. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I can imagine that that um, our food would last a little longer if we did this anyway because I would guess we'd kill some bacteria that would be rotting the food as well, so it just seems to me like something we should do to to save our money and have our food last longer.
3: Yeah, for sure, and I mean as much as I mean, summer is pretty bountiful in, in Canada here in Alberta, but a lot of our food is shipped in from other places, so, I mean, I think it's, I, I know it goes through, like, an irrigation process at the border, but I think um, we need to take our, our lives into our own hands and make sure that it's nice and clean as much as we can make it.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, what are the, the most common symptoms of parasites that uh, you see?
3: Um, I would say that the top three are anxiety, night sweats, and kind of digestive noises, like those kind of gurgles that people seem to get in their stomachs. And um, not necessarily gas, but just that kind of unsettled stomach. Um, other common ones are, again, fatigue. Um, some people get that feeling of a crawling on the skin. Some people get uh, hives or kind of eczema-like symptoms as well.
2: So, so that's interesting. I mean, those definitely aren't all digestive issues. I mean, the night sweats, definitely people could think that they're having hormone imbalances when really it's, it's a parasite causing those issues. So I can see how people would be set down the wrong path as well, just trying to figure out what's going on with their health, especially if they don't start by looking at these you know, very common, common things going on here.
3: Yeah. And I'm noticing there's definitely a lot of anxiety going like right now. And and again, I know we talked about our world being pretty go, 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 but at the same time, if you've never had anxiety before and boom, all of a sudden you're anxious all the time and get panic attacks. I mean, it's, yeah, you wouldn't commonly think, oh, that's to do with my digestion. Well, yeah,
2: and definitely. I don't think that's the direction that, um, doctors would be looking in as well. i would be prescribed anxiety medication and then something for your rash and, and um, you know, diagnosed with IBS and probably chronic fatigue. And I can see how, um, you know, people would just kind of be put in these, these boxes um, and still unwell if they don't find the parasites for the candida that's going on for them. Um, I read an interesting study that was done recently on uh, certain parasites causing hives, and um, I definitely see that a lot. It's actually, um, I mean, hives could definitely come with allergies, but it's a very, very common symptom to have a sudden onset of hives that you've never had before and actually be parasites. Yeah, I'm uh, kidding. <laughs> I mean, you know, and you hear people wait about a year to see an allergist, and um, and and then they often are told they don't have allergies, but they're getting these systemic hives, which is is quite interesting.
3: Yeah, and then again, after they've waited that long, then they have to wait again to see a dermatologist to try to figure yeah. out what's going on with their skin as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah, to to kind of go in those loops and to go in those little, to try to fit in those little compartments, right? That um, I don't think we do fit in those compartments, which is why I love Chinese medicine so much, that we do look at that whole person and try to figure out what is going on for them instead of just, you know, looking at their little rash or looking at, okay, you've got anxiety, so that's this, and, and trying to fit people you know, in those little boxes, um, which I, I think is hard. I don't think we fit in boxes.
3: <laughs> no, I think we're, we're more complicated than fitting in a box.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I can definitely see how the diet parasites and candida are a really good start for people um, i can see how that would lead them into getting a good basis because if your gut's not working you're not going to absorb your vitamins you could end up on a lot of medication and supplements and not be absorb you know absorbing those at all and then that just sets you up of spending a lot of money and trying to go down certain directions when really your root cause is just down into that gut health which is the most important part there Yeah, for sure. I agree. So um, we are going to take a break, and then when we come back, you and I are going to just let people know what direction they can take this in if they do want to start or they do think they have parasites and candida, and um, we're going to go into more detail about um, what to do, what those steps are just to get rid of these little critters (laughs) that we have all had going on. So we'll, we'll be back just after this break with Dr. Casey.
3: Much of the time, the illnesses
0: that people feel are simply symptoms and they mask the root cause of what the
3: real health problem is. You can take back control of your own health, starting with billionaire healthcare, This program is hosted by Ashley Black and Dari Samia. Our program will introduce you to fascia, which is the knowledge of the living matrix. This bit of knowledge can bring you the health secrets that only the rich and famous have known. Until now. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Ouch! What do you think of when you think of dental procedures? Well, when you think about it, the teeth and the rest of the body are strongly connected. What happens in one part affects the other. In The Tooth Body Connection with host Dr. Don Ewing, we'll explain more about these concepts as well as discuss the role that your teeth play in your overall health. You'll learn about amalgams and how removing them the wrong way can be toxic to your body. Tune in Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness
0: you want to have the highest quality of life possible and you want to live as healthy a life as possible so you can do everything you want to do but there are all kinds of myths with regard to what's right what's healthy and what is best debunk that misinformation by tuning into shattering the status quo with dr michael Quast. you should be able to make your own choices with your health and your life and you should be well informed to make those choices tune in every wednesday at noon eastern time 9 a.m pacific time on the voice america health and wellness channel
1: Biohacking for Health is working with your individual biology to gain access to and control over the systems within your body. It allows you to explore your biology and improve health and wellness. Each of us has unique genetic profiles and physiology that require individualized approaches. On Biohacking for Optimal Health, Dr. Daniel Stickler and his expert guests provide a roadmap to navigate the world of biohacking human potential. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health and Wellness.
2: Hi, welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk, and I'm sitting here with Dr. Casey Coleman. And we're today talking about your first step to wellness, which is your digestive health. And we talked earlier about um, changing your diet, um, and as well as um, parasites and candida, which are the most common causes of um, that digestive disturbance for people. So Dr. Casey, what are some tips that you can give people about um, these diet changes that you would recommend for them to take?
3: Um, I think the best thing to do is to start slowly. We overwhelm ourselves. Uh, I notice it in my practice as well. Um, As soon as you say, I'm going to need you to be gluten, dairy, and sugar-free for whether it's one month, three months, or just until we can find out what, happening with your body, people get overwhelmed and they're like, oh my God, what am I going to eat? I have to quit everything all at once. This, these are all the things that I eat. So I find if we just start taking things slowly, uh, pick one food to avoid for a week, uh, find a way to enjoy what you're making, enjoy eating what you're eating, enjoy the crisp taste of things and and even going back to recipes and learning how to make new things and Um, Just take it slowly and actually, yeah, find that joy in what you're doing instead of, I can't do this. I think we focus on what we can't do um, more than, I can't do this, but I can have this. And it's still delicious and satisfying.
2: So I think that the key point on that is to enjoy what you're doing um i mean I, I don't know if you find this but a lot of people think oh this is temporary so they kind of go hardcore and i have some people come in saying they they can't sustain it because they're hungry all the time so what do you recommend to people when they come in and and um they kind of tortured themselves
3: <laughs> i tell them to take it easy on themselves You know, um, don't be so hard on yourself. We're very hard on ourselves because, again, like you said, we're kind of all or nothing, right? We go headstrong. And I think it's better to look at it, like, not as a crash diet or something you need to do, but about making changes in your life. And it's not a diet. It's kind of changing your lifestyle for your health. And once you start, again, eliminating things and finding new things, um, you might find that you're able to go back to a little bit of gluten here and there, and again moderation instead of to the max.
2: So um, a lot of people, I mean, I think that's important to look at it as a, a lifestyle um, rather than a diet, because that's what some people do, and they they kind of they come in and they're complaining every time, even though their symptoms are going away. You know, they stopped eating that that gluten bread and pasta and they've replaced things with um, you know, the gluten free breads and the gluten free pastas and their reading labels. But and their symptoms, they just find that more work, I think, or they're addicted probably on some level. And and, but their symptoms are better and they feel better. But I find sometimes people still have that, that connection. I mean, I guess that's our society, right? That connection, that addiction to the comfort food and, and all that. But that advice of taking it slow is definitely good. I think if you, if you slowly reduce, you don't feel so tortured, and then you're more aware of how well you feel. And then, you know, you know that you're on that path, that right path.
3: Definitely, and I think right now is a good time um, i I look at restaurants and there are a lot of gluten dairy free options. There's a lot of really great blogs on the internet about being gluten dairy sugar free and lots of recipes and so I think we need sometimes we need to find our support by other means I guess than our immediate friends and family who will tell us that it's okay just to have you know and pop or you know some pizza or something that
2: little bit that that Mm -hmm. they're addicted to as well right so they want to to join in with them it's funny how we talk to (laughs) people join in my my sugar addiction with me um but definitely I mean those addictions we talked earlier about how how sugar is is um compared to cocaine addiction wise and that's definitely a big thing that that I I see um people You know, they think that they'll be okay. They tell me when we first talk about, you know what, I don't eat a lot of sugar, I'll be fine. And then when they come back, they say, you know, that was really hard. I didn't realize actually how much I ate until I was aware of it.
3: Yeah, so I think that's also a really cool thing for people to realize is that we don't, you don't think that you eat that much sugar or, you know, you don't have that much of an addiction. But I think sometimes... When we're able to see, oh wait, I do. When you can kind of remove yourself from that kind of situation and say, hey, "Yeah, I, I that's, ice prob- them every that's day. probably how we
2: got to having three pounds of sugar a week instead of um, four pounds a year,"
3: yeah, <laughs> is exactly. by not
2: being aware of what we're consuming.
3: Exactly, and then in in that point of of uh, candida and parasites, we're feeding. With our sugar addictions, we're feeding that candida, we're feeding that parasite to get bigger and stronger.
2: Yeah, they they love the sugar, which is why the cravings can be so difficult with them. I know when people are first starting their journey, with parasites and candida and you know they have to eliminate the sugar and they have to change things at first it's hard because they're getting rid of the addiction but they also have the parasites and the candida craving those things as they're dying off with the treatment they're craving the sugar and 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 that so I think that makes it even more difficult but as you go through it it must get better for people you must see that change as people go
3: yeah and that's just it. I, I have people tell me that, you know, and again, right off the bat, they, they'll they just tell you that it's hard. But when you start having an open dialogue with them and talking with them, they'll tell you, I'm sleeping better. I'm not feeling as tired in the morning. I have less like brain fog and more mental clarity. So I think it's, it's hard. It's, it's like those first couple days, those first couple weeks can be really hard for sure. But at the end, you will I'm guarantee you, you'll see results and feel better.
2: So what is the first step that you take to um, treating candida? What do you um, give to people so they can deal with that?
3: Um, Well, after we remove them from gluten, dairy, and sugar, um, Cintol, it's Arthur Andrew's Cintol, is one of uh, my favorite things to treat candida. It's a complete probiotic and yeast cleanse. Um, So, again, probiotics are the good bacteria to rebalance the gut and to help us digest. One of the most important things we can take for our health is, again, the probiotics. There are other options, um, again, because not everyone fits into a box and should be treated the same. Um, But the basic thing that we want to do is we want to, again, stop feeding the candida, and we want to rebuild our healthy gut flora so that the candida can't have a chance to kind of become big and out of balance again.
2: Yeah, so that's interesting. I mean, that brings us back to, like, the kombucha and the fermented food that we talked about earlier to rebuild that, which is definitely helpful. I mean, I, I know I find if people are taking antibiotics or really do, at least for a period of time, go to the probiotics, the good, strong stuff, but when they're on that maintenance care, that fermented food keeps up that gut balance after they've done this work which i think is, is really beautiful because then we can get off of taking a lot of supplements and just do a lot of that through food once we're at that point.
3: Yeah, definitely and and i mean i remember when i was in school for chinese medicine and one of my teachers said that we shouldn't be taking supplements we should be able to get everything from our food but that's not always the case in our society. So yes, if we can, you know, start with supplements and then start by having that change of diet in our lifestyle to in, reintroduce like the, these fermented foods and, and more natural foods into our health and diet, I think it will make all the difference for people.
2: So um, what's the, the direction that you take with parasites? I mean, those must be a little bit more complicated than the candida.
3: Yeah, well, candida takes, um, if you stay on it, it takes about three months to get rid of it. So with parasites, um, first, people, it's really interesting to see the reaction that people have when you tell them they have a parasite, (laughs) Um, because they don't think, again, that whole thing, like it's possible for them to have a parasite. Um, But there are really great natural ways to take care of parasites. Um, The main thing is uh, a little tincture called black walnut. And the process for getting rid of a parasite is actually, it doesn't take as long as candida. Um, it you do four months on of the black walnut, and then you get a two week break, and then you're four weeks on again with uh, black walnut tincture, just in case there's some eggs or residual parasites, because we want to make sure that we're killing everything and getting rid of everything.
2: So that that two week break, that's to help with the, the eggs that the parasites have laid. Hmm. So yeah, so that's interesting. I mean, people don't always think about that too, and I, I think it's hard to to um always remember that i mean these are parasites are are worms whereas the the candida is just a a yeast infection that's overgrown and so killing the adults is one thing and you can your symptoms should be gone in that that point but we do have to look at that the other aspect of the they've laid eggs so they can be laying in wait and they may not um symptoms might not come back right away but if you don't deal with those then you're just going to be reinfected again
3: definitely and then it'll start all over again
2: (laughs) (laughs) which we don't want to do it's hard enough to treat them the first time
3: (laughs) yeah exactly and then again as well as what we talked about with candida and no one fitting into a box there's also I know there's people that might have net allergies, so they can't do the black walnut, but there's other, it's great, there's lots of other options for people, um, like pumpkin capsules to try to help kill, kill the parasites in kind of a natural way. I know there's a lot of parasite cleanses out there that you can get from the health food store, but I don't know, Like again, let's simplify things and make things easier.
2: Definitely, you know, keeping this part simple, I mean, it could seem overwhelming, but this is the first step. So if you can change your diet and then work on your gut health, whatever else is going on, um, if there is more after you do that, will be at least lessened or it'll be easier to move forward. I mean, I, your your gut is 80% of your immune system. So whatever else you have going on, if that's not working right, you're just not going to get better. Yeah. So um in overall with everything, is there just any tips about how to go about this that you would give people?
3: Um, again I think I'm gonna go back to just go slow and be easy on yourself. Um I think I, I've noticed in, in my practice that there are people that wanna go again, they wanna go full throttle and they just want to do it but again at the same time we are using natural supplements but it doesn't mean that you're not going to have a reaction to it so I think it's really important again to be really gentle with yourself, go slow can you handle the dose if you can then move forward if you can't then honor yourself and just stay at that dose till you're ready to move forward with it
2: yeah that's important The I mean you definitely can have detox reactions um, and uh, um, you know, take it at your pace because you're not going to fit into that box that the person beside you has fit into, and um, take your time with it and definitely enjoy it. Enjoy your journey to health. Um, I think that's really important because people get stuck in being tired of doing this and tired of doing that, and really. It's going to take you a while to get better because it took you a while to get ill. So I think if you enjoy that journey, I think that's an important lesson to take from today is enjoy the journey you're on or you'll just become resentful that you had to do it, which isn't the direction that we want to take with our health.
3: No, not at all. I mean, our health is what we have. It's the greatest thing that we have. So. We need to take care of it, and we need to take care of ourselves and and kind of think about what we're putting into our bodies.
2: So, um, Dr. Casey, is there a way that people can get a hold of you if they want to find you?
3: Yeah. um, My website's anantahealth.ca.
2: Okay, and you're based in, in Calgary? In Calgary, Alberta, yes. Yeah. Um, so, if you want to um, talk to Dr. Casey about parasites and candida, you can reach her there. If you want to find out more about me, my website is um, dr-risk.com um, where you can read more about um, my story and what I do. Um, I definitely want to thank Dr. Casey for joining us today on this first step to your your health. I think it's really important um, that we've talked about this. So thanks for joining us, Dr. Casey.
3: Thanks for having me, Doctor Risk.
2: Um, so we're um I'd like to welcome you all to to join us next week. I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Janelle Murphy, who's a naturopath, and we're going to talk about detoxing. So if you found today interesting, but if you do have difficulty approaching parasites and candida and doing that cleanse, um, it's important to find somebody that can help you, especially if it's hard for you. But the the detoxing part is, is important as well because our bodies aren't made that simple where we can just take a supplement and it can work for us sometimes those detox pathways don't work so dr murphy and i are going to talk about that more um in depth next week so uh please join us we're um on mondays at 9 a.m pacific time um so i hope you all have a great day and that you've enjoyed um, your first step to your journey to wellness